Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I am your host, Stan McCune, Realtor, right here in the upstate, and you can find all of my contact information in the show notes. I always put it there, assuming I remember to put it there, um, but you can also Google my name, Stan McCune. My name is everywhere. My phone number is everywhere. I get spam calls all the time because... Uh, you know, all these different bots out there are scrubbing the web for different phone numbers. And unfortunately, I have to advertise mine. And so guess what? I get a lot of calls. Um, it doesn't take too many searches to find a way to contact me. And however you want to contact me, feel free to text, call, email. I have people Facebook message me. Um, I have people LinkedIn message me. I mean, the full gamut. I'm available. Um, and also just a reminder, as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please go ahead and subscribe, leave a rating and a review. I really appreciate when you guys do that. It really helps uh, encourage me to keep the show going. And uh, I appreciate it every time I see one of those. We're going to be talking today about some insurance gotchas, uh, specifically when it comes to homeowners insurance. There is a lot going on in the homeowner's insurance world. And we need to uh, update, I need to update all of you guys as to what's happening. Now, I had an episode way, way, way back, I mean, like a year ago, where I covered a bunch of different aspects of homeowner's insurance that I highly recommend you listen to. Um, It really covers just a variety of things that I'm not going to cover in this episode. I I might overlap a couple things from it, uh, but I highly recommend you listen to that. But for this episode, I want to talk about some of the things that are changing and some of the things that, uh, that have changed recently in the world of homeowners insurance that you might not know about and that could be kind of a gotcha moment. Um, if you don't know about them and, uh, Just as a warning, you need to always read your policy. Read your policy so that you know what's in it. The language is very specific. And I promise you, I promise you, if you read your homeowner's insurance policy, you will learn something. There will be something in there that is covered or isn't covered that you didn't know. And oftentimes, you'll find uh, some pleasant surprises in there. You'll find some things that's like, oh, well, I didn't know that that would be covered if if uh, if that happened. Um, and so it's it's really beneficial to review your policy every now and then to make sure that uh, you know what is actually being covered, what you're actually paying your homeowner's insurance company for. Um, but uh, the homeowner's insurance companies, the carriers, as we call them, they exist for one purpose and one purpose only. And that is to make money, right? They are a they are companies, they are corporations, just like several uh, any others that we know out there. And so they exist to make a profit at the end of the day. Nothing wrong with that. They're providing a service to make a profit. But guess what happens when uh, things change in terms of uh, the amount of claims that they're getting, or in terms of uh, new risks that are posed to them that uh, that end up causing them to lose more money. They will change how they uh, how they handle things. They will change their policies 
in order to ensure that they are insured uh, against having to spend tons and tons of money. And so they will do things that benefit themselves that don't benefit you. And so uh, I think it's worth bringing up a few things that I've noticed lately that I think are, uh, are particularly important for our area. Now, one thing that is common in the insurance world for places that are near uh, storm centers. So, for instance, if you live on the coast, if you live near the ocean, it is very common that they will have a percent deductible for hurricanes, tropical storms, any named storm. That's usually how the language is worded in your policy. Again, if you live on the coast, look at your policy and, and double check that. Um, and if you don't live on the coast, double check it because I'm about to explain why. Um, but they will have a special deductible that is just for named storms. And it might be in addition to the deductible that you already have. It might be its own special thing. Oftentimes, it is a percent deductible. And here's what that means. If, if your house is worth $500,000 and you have a 2% named storm deductible, a named storm comes through. Tropical storm, uh, boogla boogla. <laughs> I could barely even say that. Tropical storm, boogla boogla, comes through and causes damage to your house, your $500,000 house. You have a 2% named storm deductible. Guess what? You're going to have to pay the first $10,000, 2% of $500,000. You're going to have to pay the first uh, $10,000 of your claim before your insurance gets involved. So if you have a $15,000 claim, your insurance is only going to pay you $5,000 because they're going to subtract the 2% right off the top first before they pay out anything to you. Well, guess what? This is starting to become more and more common, even in non-coastal areas, but specifically here in the upstate, because we have had so many wind, hail, tornado storms uh, in our area, and some tropical storms, and the not so much hurricanes, because usually they're tropical storms by the time they come here, but just name storms in general. And what we're starting to see is now some of these uh, insurance carriers are actually starting to require for any name storm or even a wind or hail storm. Now, that deductible that you used to have, that was like $1,000, uh, now it's a percent deductible. And that can be anywhere from 1% to, I've seen 10%, not in our area, but I've seen it up to 10% before. It's crazy. Um, and, and that's a major, major change. If you get a hailstorm, you know, on a very expensive house and you have a 1% or 2% hail deductible, I mean, you could end up uh, having to pay almost the entire roof out of pocket. Your insurance might not cover hardly anything with regard to that roof. Now, this is a really important development because not that long ago, insurance companies in our area would, would allow even deductibles as low as $500. And even before that, sometimes as low as $250. Um, that was not as common. But not that long ago, I had a homeowner's insurance deductible of $500. That is almost non-existent now. Almost always, at least the minimum is 1000 And now we're starting to see 
that some of these carriers are now on not on everything but on on some types of properties and in some certain areas they're now starting to require special wind hail name storm etc deductibles that are in a different bracket a percent deductible rather than that set okay you just pay the first thousand dollars you need to be very careful to make sure that that you know what your policy, what your homeowner's policy says, because they may have made that change recently. Some of them are starting to make those changes now, and that is uh, really significant. If you can get a policy, I would pay a little bit more per year for a policy that has a $1,000 flat deductible more or less across the board um, versus paying just a little bit less for a policy that has a 1% or 2% or whatever the case may be deductible for uh, wind and hailstorms because we get a lot of wind and hailstorms in the area. Another important development, increasingly insurance carriers are starting to put special exclusions in their policies for roofs that have what we call three-tab composition shingles. Um, So if you look at a roof, you'll see basically two main types of shingle roofs. One is the the classic architectural shingle. um, And that's really, at this point, I feel like in the upstate, the majority of our roofs do thankfully have those architectural shingles. Um, But the other one is the three-tab shingles. And these are the ones that are, they look like long uh, horizontal rectangles that are just placed throughout the roof. And they don't really overlap. It's just like a flat type type of roof. Um, well, a lot of uh, roofs that have the three-tab shingles have just been completely destroyed by windstorms. They also don't hold up very well against hail. They, they really aren't a good roof product to begin with, but they're a little bit cheaper than the architectural shingles. So you'll see people that are built, not so much builders anymore, although it used to be the case, but more people when they get their roof replaced, sometimes they'll get a little chintzy. They'll try to save themselves, you know, $800, $1,000 by instead of getting an architectural shingle, uh, which, you know, should last for up to 30 years, they'll get one of these three-tab shingles, which is supposed to last uh, significantly less than, than that 30-year mark. Um, but regardless of what it's supposed to last for, they do not hold up well against the elements. They, I have seen this because I used to be an, uh, an insurance adjuster. They don't hold up well against wind. They hold up terribly against wind. They they don't stick very well to uh, to the roof itself, and and so you get a, a sustained gust of wind. You get a tornado nearby. Um, those shingles are going to start flapping, and what happens then when they start flapping is it can permanently damage the shingle. Um, additionally, as I already mentioned, they don't hold up very well against hail. It's not a good shingle. If you replace your roof, get a 30-year architectural shingle, at least. I mean, you can also get 40 and 50-year architectural shingles if, if you really want to. Um, but definitely get some type of architectural roof. Um, and if you have a three-tab sh- shingle on your current roof, Make sure that there isn't some kind of exclusion or special provision in your policy that would hurt you if you get a wind or hail claim uh, or something similar to that for that roof. That's something that we're starting to see more of as well. Um, 
Here's something that is uh, kind of on the positive, I guess, end of the spectrum. It's something to, to just keep in mind. So due to the fact that there's been uh, a lot of protests over the past couple of years, um, at least I, I should say they've been highly publicized. I don't know if there's been more protests the past couple of years than in the past, but, but they're getting a lot of television time. Um, and so now some insurance companies are now offering uh, some uh, protection of property coverages. So if there is imminent risk of civil unrest in your area, um, you may actually be eligible to protect your property. For instance, boarding up windows or that type of thing. If you're in an urban en environment that is at risk of civil unrest, you may be eligible to to do some things and, and to protect your property and be reimbursed for that. Um, some insurance companies are starting to do that. They There may be uh, other aspects of that that are covered. Really, at the end of the day, they're, they're implementing that strictly because of, of the protesting. But they can't say that, you know, that that's not really uh, allowable for them to just say, due to an uptick in protests, we are now encouraging people to board up their windows. Um, so they'll add language like, uh, for instance, if you have an excess amount of snow or ice on your roof, you can, uh, if you show evidence of that and you take extraordinary measures to ensure that your roof doesn't collapse because it might have so much ice and snow on it that it, it might actually be risk of collapsing. You take measures, you, you spend money out of pocket to, uh, to get that off the roof to save your roof. You could be eligible for uh, protection of property coverage. Um, down here, there's not a whole lot uh, of options there, uh, or, or not a whole lot of risk in terms of snow or ice or whatever the case may be. But if anything ever happens, if you have a tree limb that falls in your house or whatever, um, or if you do have damage to your roof, you need to immediately take action to protect your property. If you don't, then you're liable potentially for any damages. So um, if you ever have that happen, if you ever have a storm-created opening in your property and the potential for water coming in, Get a tarp on that. Call a roofer. Get that tarped up. Um, you know, even if you, uh, you, you might want to call your insurance company first. I would recommend that. But even if you're having a hard time, you know, getting your insurance company to whatever, shoot you straight, give you answers that you want. If you don't protect your property, you are opening yourself up to uh, your insurance company denying you coverage. And you don't want to do that. By the way, while we're on the topic of roofs, be very careful when you're up on your roof doing different things. There are some companies now that uh, will try to advertise like pressure washing roofs, and, and sometimes you'll, you know, people that are have roofs that are under trees, sometimes you'll have some little uh, fungal growth on your roof. A, uh, that fungal growth is a is a bad thing. So trim your trees back so that that doesn't happen. Okay, that you could have your policy uh, have a homeowner's uh, claim excluded because of that. Um, but if you get up there and you start like scraping that, you know, algae or, or whatever moss off your roof, or you pressure wash it, or you get one of these companies that are pulling, you know, that one of these roof extension type of things where they spray something on the roof that is supposed to extend the life of the roof, you are taking so much risk 
that your insurance company will not cover your roof in the event that you have future damage. Yes, even if you're trying to do things to help your roof, at the end of the day, uh, an insurance company is going to see that as you tampered with the roof. The, the insurance is there to insure a normal roof that hasn't been tampered with. If it starts getting tampered with, that gives the insurance company a reason to back out. Again, all they care about is making money at the end of the day. That's what they exist to do. They're going to try to find ways to get out of paying money. So don't give them that out. Make sure that you don't overthink it. Make sure that you don't give them a reason as you tamper with aspects of your house. Keep up with your house, but don't do unusual things that could cause your insurance company to say, you know what, you've tampered with this property and we're not going to cover you now. Um, by the way, uh, it's also worth mentioning this is not a new thing, but and and I believe I covered this on the first one that I uh, that I recorded. But we've had a lot of flooding in the past couple of years, and flooding, as in like a creek floods and floods your house, that is not covered by homeowners insurance. Just FYI, if you are in a floodplain, you get flood insurance from FEMA. Well, through FEMA, I shouldn't say from FEMA, but through FEMA. Um, that is what protects you against a flood. Your homeowner's insurance is not going to protect you against the flood. Odds are it's also not going to protect you against an earthquake. Again, look at your policy and look at those things. That's not something we run into a whole lot here in the upstate. Flooding is much more of a concern. Um, but there are a lot of little things like that that a lot of people don't realize, oh, I'm not in insured against flooding or earthquakes or those types of things. We mentioned um, civil unrest earlier, and, and that one's a tricky one as well, because there are so many different exclusions that a typical policy has. They might um, exclude, for instance, uh, terrorism. They might exclude, for instance, insurrections. Well, who defines that? Um, insurance companies have a gazillion ways of wiggling their way out of these things and saying, well, that was actually an insurrection. We're not going to cover you for that. Um, that was actually terrorism. We're not going to cover you from that. Uh, damage from war. Usually wars are not covered. So let's hope that we don't have, you know, anything like that happening anytime soon. Um, so when it comes to, if, if you feel like you're at risk, potentially, of civil unrest and damage to property due to that, you need to really look into your insurance policy, talk to your insurance agent, Make sure that you're covered. See if you need to take any uh, preventative measures to protect your property and what coverage there is for that. And do your homework. Make sure that you are fully prepared for that scenario. One more gotcha, and then I'm going to be done. I'm, I'm busy. I can barely squeeze this recording in this week. Um, properties that have been vacant for a long period of time. If you go on a, uh, on a trip, you know, a nice long trip to Europe, you're out there for for the whole summer, your house is vacant for, you know, three months, you get back, there's hail damage. Uh, your insurance company may have something in there that gets them out if your property has remained vacant for a period of time. Look in your policy. It's not uncommon for them to have language in there that says a vacant property 
that has been vacant for only two months. We're not talking about like a year or two years or whatever. It may be a vacant property for just a couple of months uh, that they're able to wiggle their way out of paying any claims during that two-month period. Look at your policy and see what it protects you against. If you're going to be vacant for several months, if you're going on, on that long trip or whatever the case may be, or you know, if you're if you decided I'm gonna buy a second home and uh, the home that you've been living in is not gonna be a home that you're gonna be in all the time, that's a conversation you need to have with your insurance agent and make sure that your current policy protects you. There the policies are designed in a way to assume that typically that they are always occupied. Um, if you're flipping a house, that's its own special policy. That's not gonna that's gonna be a vacant house. You have to have a special policy that covers you in that instance. Um, I had a, a situation recently where um, where uh, someone tried to provide coverage on a vacant house as if it were a rented house, uh, but it was vacant being flipped. That can be a problem, okay? Uh, because at the end of the day, you have a claim, insurance uh, adjuster goes out there, they're going to be like, well, this policy says that this is a rental property. Who's renting this? This doesn't even look like it's livable. Um, well, okay, that is a bit of a problem. Um, so make sure that you have the appropriate coverage for what you are actually doing with your property. If you change the use of the property, you probably need to change your homeowner's insurance in some way as well. Um, that's it for today. I hope that was helpful. I'm not an insurance agent. Um, so if you have any questions about any of this, of course, you can ask me what my opinion is, but go to your insurance agent, ask your insurance agent, make sure that they uh, are competent to answer the questions. Go to someone that's competent to answer questions that you may have. But that's it for this week's episode of Selling Greenville. I hope you guys have a great week. Till next time, stay safe. <music>